You're listening to Rise and Shine, broad chats with real women in small business. We explore the wisdom, stumbles, and wins of females who are carving out their own path in the free fall of business ownership. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. Hello. In this episode of Rise and Shine, you'll hear from slow living coach, Rochelle Glendon. I really wanted Rochelle to come on the pod today to talk about slowing the heck down and the transformative power that that can create for your life and your mind and your business, because I know how the messiness and busyness of life negatively impacts so many. So Rochelle, welcome. And I'm going to pass the mic to you to share who you are and what you do. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about slow living and it's great to be with you. Yeah, so I'm a slow living coach. I'm I'm also happen to be a mum of two boys who are four and six. Um, And slow living, in case you're not familiar with it, is the idea of literally slowing down and doing things at the pace that gives you uh, satisfaction in the in the process of actually doing it rather than just working towards that endpoint goal to tick a box. Um, slow living as a movement approaches everything from like food to travel um, to parenting and business. Um, and I love to work my slow living that I kind of my clients are often mums and it's that transition from just being a woman with a career and then oh, okay, I've got kids now and this I want totally different things and I just want to enjoy them being little, but there's so much pressure about bouncing back and getting back to normal, you know, going back to work and all of that. And so often that process of becoming a mother really, um, it rejigs our values, but then we get a really, a real friction point in our life when we, you know, we've got competing demands and how do we make it work that we, you know, no longer can meet the productive, you know, hustle culture ticking off the list kind of, you know, there's, there's so much to it, but yeah. So I, I help my mums to slow down and, and not feel guilty about, about it basically. <laughs> oh, wow. the guilt is a, the one thing that stood out to me then, because that's kind of inherent, I think, with Absolutely. being a female, being a mum and, working and definitely having your own business it's always present and yeah, yeah that's major <laughs> oh we've all, I think we've all come from you know a milestone moment where maybe after children you've had children and they kind of like they're not toddlers anymore they don't need you 24 7 just 23 <laughs> 7 yeah and you're like oh my gosh I don't even know who I am anymore or what I like to do or what makes me me that is that a common thing that happens with the people who you work with yes absolutely um and there is this process you might not have ever heard of it before it's called matrescence yes I have, you have heard of matrescence. I don't know much about it though but yeah tell me what is it because <laughs> I'm so, not yeah so it is that process similar to adolescence where you go from being a child to an adult when you go through matrescence you go through from being a woman to a mother so there's a whole range of ways that we change you know we talk about baby brain but baby brain you know again that's another way we make mothers feel guilty because we you know we've got baby brain and now we can't think straight or whatever but it's actually a biological process of our brains literally rewiring um you know we change physically we change emotionally we change mentally we change from a financial perspective um things change for us we change the way society views us now we're 
you know, we're mums and there's, you know, certain expectations around that and that all, that all um, affects us. And there are some studies to suggest that, you know, apart from that first year of your baby's life, when your, child, when your children reach around the age of four, which is probably around the time when they're looking to go to kindy and daycare, mm. um, that's a really tender time for mums to, and there's another spike in um, depression oh. and anxiety because there is that moving out of that baby phase or that toddler phase where you're, you are needed so much and then suddenly not needed so much and you're mm. like, okay, pressure to get back on with it if you've had a break, career break maybe, or like, you've got more time and you almost like don't know what to do with yourself because you're not making 20 snacks a day and, um, you know, but also like re-engaging the brain to do, um, to do more high, you know, high thinking work at, at work or whatever it is, you know, there's a, there's yeah. a really interesting point. It is. And you realise that you want to be productive in a different way other than wiping bottoms yeah. <laughs> or making the snacks or thinking what can we do next to keep these people entertained yes I totally feel that <laughs> yeah it's just another way we make mums feel guilty <laughs> yeah I guess so and it's uh, yeah it's a complex complex part of life isn't it <laughs> yeah so how did you get to become a slow living coach I'm curious to know how that kind of evolved like where did you start what did you do when you first yeah. yeah, so it's interesting because um, on reflection, in hindsight, I've probably always lived a little slower. Um, I guess as well, I mean, I grew up on a farm, you know, my parents still live there. And, you know, as teenagers, we didn't have phone reception. We hardly even had TV reception. <laughs> so there was a real like, you know, you go into town, you go to school, go to work or whatever, and then you come home and you get a full break. And then when I moved to the city to come to university and it was like, you've got to work, I was working full-time and studying full-time and trying to travel and trying to go out three or four nights a week and just totally, you know, burning the candle at both ends, trying to prove myself, you know, trying to say like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it big in the world. And um, my nervous system just really couldn't cope. So I was struggling by my, by my late twenties, I was struggling with chronic migraine um, yeah, and it was really intense. And um, and I just I was also picked an industry which was not conducive to becoming a mother. I was in the supply chain industry, so I was working in export markets, like shipping food overseas, and I was working in production, food production, and all sorts of things. And um, my husband and I, we got together and uh, we wanted to have kids, you know. And I was like, there is no way I can fit that into my life. Um, and it was a really masculine environment, that environment. So I, at some point or other, I discovered life coaching as a thing. And in 2014, before I had the kids, I did a life coaching certification with Julie Parker um, through Beautiful You. And that opened me up to this whole idea of like this whole other feminine side of living and working. And around the same time, I discovered the minimalists and Brooke McCallery, who had a podcast or has a podcast called Slow Your Home. And, um, you know, all of that kind of led me to really realising like, yeah, I, I've been working to prove something, but to who? Because it's not to me. Um, my career is not satisfying in any way. Um, or it wasn't, the world wasn't quite what I was hoping, you know. Um, you know, I was, yeah, so I guess um, kids came along and uh, I just knew that I wanted to be with them. And I knew I wanted to enjoy that process. And I 
um, yeah, so then I took some time off for my career and uh, I went through, you know, I was very committed to slow living and slowing down and all of that. And somewhere along the way I had my second son and I was like, you know what, I've really got to share this because I'm seeing like, you know, I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old and everyone was going back to work and feeling the pressure and my friends were like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to manage it. I've got full-time work. I'm trying to get the kids to and from daycare. My husband's got to go away for work. And, you know, I was just like, that is not my reality. And I, 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 you know, I didn't want to experience that level of stress. And I was like, maybe there's something wrong with me because I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, maybe I've lost my ambition. I felt really guilty about it. And then I put kind of things together and I started talking about slow living with my podcast. I had a YouTube channel a few years ago and um, I, people started to resonate with it. So I was like, I'm going, you know, okay, I've learned a lot. I've experienced a lot. I've seen a kind of a different approach to life. Um, and that's kind of how it all roundabout way led me to um, develop a methodology around slow and seasonal living that I now yeah, share with my clients. My gosh wow <laughs> bit of a journey <laughs> yes that is so cool because you are coming back I guess you came back to what is you and what is right for you and yeah. then you figured out a way to I guess get a certification behind it and a structure and then a way to make change in other people's lives and also make money because we need to do that <laughs> yeah that's right that's incredible <laughs> and so you said before that like your previous career down that path in the supply chain stuff, like it wasn't satisfying and that kind of life and world wasn't satisfying. But now you feel satisfied, I imagine? I feel so much more satisfied, yes. And it's it's another full circle moment for me is that um, I, because I've always been a bit of a greenie at heart, you know, like when I was at uni, all my friends went off to go work in the mines, you know, mining logistics, big money kind of jobs. And I chose the food industry. And my, I remember saying to myself, I'm going to work and work towards like um, I want to work in an industry where I can disrupt the supermarket supply chain, you know, because in like kind of break, um, break the supply chain in a way of like, you know, that overconsumption and everything's readily available to the point of, you know, it takes it. I mean, we've got climate change is a huge issue and it's all part of that. Like globalisation is great, but it's also we've got lots of cheap and badly made products available and, we, you know, there's a whole problem there. Um, and so coming full circle, uh, I've, I have just joined as a member of the slow food movement and which is I, I don't know how, where that's going to go for me, but we'll be going to Italy later in the year to attend this thing called Terra Madre, which is a um, our whole family. And it's basically the slow food fair where, we, where they'll be talking about things like, you know, artisan production methods and, you know, slow supply chains and shopping locally and food security in the climate change world um, and, um, you know, maintaining like, uh, like uh, ancient grains and old-fashioned, you know, just ways of doing things and family farms rather than, you know, all of that stuff. I just love it. You know, you can hear it. Um, so it's a bit of a full circle moment for me to be kind of stepping back in, like, you know, my son, he's four, and I'm stepping back into that work world in a bigger way. Um, and I can see, like, there's another path there for me with the slow living movement as well and bringing in my history with the food supply chain as well. Yes. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of this quote. I think it's by 
Kierkegaard, and um, I'm going to get it wrong, so people will have to Google it, but it's something about life can only be lived forwards, but it must be understood backwards. Absolutely. And, I, yeah. yes. and that makes me just like it came to me then because it's like, oh, my gosh, everything, everywhere you've walked, every path has led you to now and all those paths probably to you and they make sense as to why you've done them, even if they didn't feel completely right or, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing about life, isn't it? Like there's moments that are really tricky and mm-hmm. it's really hard to see in the time you know, and, you know, when you're going through it, you're like, there can't be a lesson in this and you can't tell me everything's got a lesson. But <laughs> in hindsight, some of your decisions and the hard moments in your life really did do lead you to mm. um, to these these things. And like I said, it's, I, I know that quote, I can't think of exactly how it is either, but, yeah, it all makes sense when you look back. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. I wanted to ask you about um, distraction in the context of your work because that is a constant in life. And, yeah. you know, we go from this list to the 10, tab, 10 tabs open. I think I've got about 60 open in my phone at the moment. Um, then, you know, you're nutting out, maybe your next client email. Then you go down the Instagram rabbit hole. Then you flip back to sorting out, you know, pickups for your, ch- your child from soccer. Like, yeah. um, you know, it goes on and on. And then you're like, oh, I've got to fold that laundry and I'll do that. <laughs> it's just, yeah. yes. Why can't we ever just focus on one thing? What do you think? Um. I there's so much to it isn't there I I mean I really believe that we live in a world you know we live in a capitalist society most of us um and capitalism benefits from us being distracted like that because it keeps us busy keeps us overwhelmed and we look for ways to spend money to solve those problems Mm. often you know like okay I can't keep on top of you know all of the things so I'll pay a cleaner um not to say that it's a bad idea to pay a cleaner but like you know all of those ways that we you know we go on diets we spend money on beauty products we we buy all the latest gadgets to try and you know help us get on top of things and we look to productivity hacks and to save time but instead of using that saved time to rest we just add more in and Mm. There's so much social pressure to be looking impressive and ticking off boxes and getting to certain milestones that it feels like everything's so urgent and it has to be done now. Mm. And we've lost the art of delaying things for a later and looking forward to things as well, mm. I think. Um, you know, so, um, you know, you can't do it all at one time. You can do a lot of things, but you can't do it all now. And there is a beauty in saying, you know what, I'll save that. We'll, we'll book that in another time, you know. And we're not very good at going without either, are we? Like, you know, um, or disappointing people. There's also that. And I think the way to solve that is to get really clear on your values and what's important to you. And being okay with only focusing on those things. Mm. And one of the ways that you can do that, I've got a nice method of creating like a family purpose statement where you all sit down together and you create your own family values, like your mission statement for your, for your family. And everybody gets input. And it's really interesting for mums to hear what the things are that are valuable and important to our family members because we think we know but often we're not right and 
when you hear that, then you go, okay, well, maybe they don't need to be doing three or four different sports and we don't need to be rushing around getting everything, doing all of these things. Um, so creating a family value statement. And then you can also then come up with a list of things that you just don't do. It's like your not-do list. Um, and put the blinkers on. I know that's really hard to do, but it's a, it, it is a discipline. But if you want that life that feels more aligned and more purposeful and like you're on a path where you're achieving the things that are important to you, uh, it's a really important thing to do. Mm, oh, my gosh. That's like <laughs> a totally different I guess, way of directing your life, I think, <laughs> for most yeah. of the people that I know in, in, in my life, that's, yeah, that would be yeah. kind of eye-opening doing that process, I think, that mission yeah. statement. Because, yeah, it really is, yeah. Yeah. There's always, like, I think there's a momentum of needing, like, at work and in your home life, there's a momentum, you know, you're always doing, producing, improving, going for bigger or more, and I think it kind of perpetuates that momentum so we can yeah. never cut ourselves a break like mm. and yeah. that's because the world is pointing us to always do those things like you see ads in your feed or you check out one maybe one kind of coach or one course and then you keep getting more of that and it's yeah like, yeah and you're like oh I've got to do more I've got to do that I've got to create a course I've got to do this and it's like yeah I don't know how did we get to be at this point <laughs> yeah I know it's I mean marketing and yeah but capitalism like I mean I I'm not saying that capitalism is a bad thing. I mean, it's given us a lot of great, a great things, but there is a downside. And one of those is that, and I don't know, it's, you know, it's that false advertising that, and that, I don't know, somehow we all develop this sense that we're just not enough as we are because it's such a focus of growing and improving um, and su such an outwardly focused thing of like being, like I said before, like being impressive and, we can't be impressive just as we are. So we have to buy and do and spend and be busy um, to prove our worth. Um, mm -hmm. You know, whereas I think, you know, I'm sure I've seen a quote or something, you know, capitalism would die if we all knew our worth. <laughs> yes, it would. I feel yeah. like, because I have a, I come from a marketing background and I feel like copywriting, what I do is a small it's a niche within marketing oh, and I've yeah. struggled at times in my business life. Like, I guess personally, I, I struggle with um, the idea of people just buying more, more, more stuff because it's easy and it's cheap and it's going to solve a problem without yeah. just stopping to think and really consider and even things like considering the end of life use of that product. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of angst around that, I guess. And it's kind of, one reason why I've ended up with the niche that I am or I mainly write for ethical brands who have a bit of a con conscious about those kind of things. And yeah. the reason that I, <laughs> I've ended up kind of in this, this niche where I am within copywriting within the marketing framework is because I just have felt so guilty about being part of that and buying into that and, well, persuading people to buy more. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really been on my conscience, which is why, as I said, I ended up in this niche where I'm okay with helping people sell what they do or make if it kind of ticks my values. So yeah. I guess it does come back to, as you said earlier, the idea of being clear on your values to guide the way that you choose to live, whether it's at work or home or relationships or whatever. Yeah, I think that um, I think the work that you're doing is amazing because often it's those ethical businesses that have got a conscious heart that struggle to make the sales and, you know, 
because they're not engaging in persuasive selling. They're engaging in sharing and offering and saying, you know, this might help you. Um, You know, if you've got this problem, here's how I can help. And that's not persuasive if, you know, but the people who do buy get more value out of it, right? Mm. Um, And I think we need to support that. So, like, I'm not against, um, where did I see somebody's, because I've been like, you know, how same thing, guilty. Like, how do I, what's the alternative? You either participate in the current system or you don't participate and then you have to go and live off grid. <laughs> but there is a third option. I can't remember who I heard it from, but the third option is to choose to, you know, engage in, in with companies that are ethical and to support businesses that are sort of outside the mainstream and who have got, you know, end of life and full circle production um, at their heart. Yeah. Mm, that's true. There is a third option. <laughs> yeah. And I think deep down we all know this stuff, mm. but the current climate, right, of consumerism and how convenient that world is, mm. you know, and how easy it is to just go up to the shops and buy things or just subscribe to email lists and, mm. you know, click buttons to spend money and we don't see physical cash we don't you know um it's so easy Mm. we all know that it's probably not serving us to the best to our best and highest good but it's hard to not do it because Mm. it's so easy to do it's really a conscious choice and that's why I say like slow living is not doing nothing it's not it is rest and it is a restful way of life but it's actually a really active choice you actually have to commit to doing the work and undoing a lot of those um, cultural beliefs and, and habit, habitual ways of being. Mm, totally. So for those, those of us with, I guess, uber busy lives, how do we even start living slow? Because you need to press pause, I imagine, before you reset and make other choices. Yeah, you do. And it's, there is so much to it. And I know that in the past, you know, when I first started working with clients, I just totally overwhelmed them because I was like, you have to do all of these things to slow down. And it's like, whoa, what? <laughs> and so I realized that there's actually a, it's a four. And this is the beautiful thing, right? As women, we are cyclical. It's cyclical. How do you, what's that word? We're seasonal in nature, right? So I realized that I've created this thing called the four seasons of slow. So the four seasons of slow kind of mirror nature. And this is, this is the thing, right? We can connect back to nature. And it and, and kind of solves burnout just by default, by creating this way of life that is honouring se- the seasons of nature throughout the year and also our own inner seasons of our, of our hormonal cycle. And it's so cool because, um, and then you can layer over the top, like people often people think that, you know, you get your period and then you don't have your period. But there's actually four phases to your hormonal cycle. A lot of people listening to your podcast probably know that. Um, but I've identified that if you look at winter as a, you know, as a thing, which would be the nature, nature, natural winter or winter of your menstruation, there's also the season of winter in doing um, in, in the seasons of slow, and that is to do less. So when you slow right down and you practice doing less, you practice resting just for a period of time, then you can connect to that inner guide when you slow down a little bit things emerge, you know, Um, and then you can sort of see, all right, well, what am I, you can kind of start to whittle out, all right, well, what, where am I headed? What do I want from life? And then that's where you kind of would move into your spring phase where you start to think about, well, what do I, how can I scale back on my needing? 
what can I spend less on? How am I spending um, to support a way of life that no longer serves me? And what, how can I scale back on that? How can I focus in on just a few projects or a few focuses? Um, and then that's where your self-care goes up because you create, by doing that, you create more time to spend on actual self-care, which is different to getting a massage. It's actually taking care of yourself, like, you know, resting properly and things like that. And then you also create more time. So you move into your sort of summer, which is about being more present. So actually living this new life that you've started to create and started to find underneath all of the busyness um, and connecting with the people that are important to you. You might like have a look at your relationships and, and see that you're nurturing relationships that are not serving you and peeling that a little way. So then you've got a deeper connection with fewer people, but it feels so much more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you move into autumn. Now, autumn would be in your inner seasons, um, would be kind of like, you know, what people associate with your PMS, you know, like your rage week, you know. <laughs> And we often make, again, we often make ourselves feel really guilty for this ragey feeling, but that's really good information about, you know, the burden that you've put on yourself living a busy life. This is where it bubbles up. So we can look at, you know, what is that rage telling us? Where have I overcommitted? How can I align my life more to what I actually want and be okay with it? Um, And then you kind of, you can move back through the cycle. And you keep going and you slowly move through the seasons and you peel things away. And eventually, I mean, it's a committed work and it takes, it takes, you know, it's a, it's a lifetime commitment to living this way. Um, But it does create that way of listening to your, what, you know, your own inner voice. And and we're just so disconnected from that. I think. Mm, We are. I feel that. And I see that. (laughs) Yeah. All around me. Wow. Um, one thing you said, so many valuable things in there, but one thing I wanted to pick out was when you said massage is not the same as self-care. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, I can. Um, I see that as consumer self-care. So self-care, as I see it, is not spending money. Self-care to me is listening to your needs. Maybe it's, and it's not always easy. It's not always fun to look after yourself properly. Sometimes it's hard going. Sometimes it means having difficult conversations with people who you need to cut yourself off from or that are taking advantage of you. It means learning how to have boundaries with people. It might mean going to therapy to finally deal with whatever it is that's causing that mum rage to bubble up whenever, you know, when you get triggered by your kids. That to me is what self-care is. Obviously you've got to spend money to do therapy, but it's not, you know, if you've got, a life that is not serving you and not feeling good, no amount of eating chocolate or buying fancy dresses or getting massages or getting your nails done is really going to fix that. Mm, In fact, it's going to make it worse really because you've now got to work harder to continue to fund a lifestyle that, you know, soothes you. Mm, Those are kind of like they have benefit definitely, but they're kind of abandoned in this kind of approach in the context of what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're the cherry on top, mm. but, you know, the cherry will sink if you don't have those <laughs> la- layers of foundational self-care. Yes, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. <laughs> and what about a business? Like not all of us want to build a six-figure brand or create a course or become a speaker or have a podcast. 
Yet those yeah. are the things around us that we're so often in the small business world that we move in. We're seeing those everywhere. So what yeah. can we do to accept, yeah, it's okay to be happy where I am and I don't need those things? I mean, if you're happy where you are, you I feel like you've won the life lottery, you know? <laughs> yeah. Are um, you happy where you are? Have you got the life lottery? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I do believe so. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the thing is, though, when you're happy where you are, moving towards new uh, new things is just it's more fulfilling, and you often will move to towards the right things, right? Rather than just going, well, I've got a podcast, so I've got to start a podcast, and they want a six figure business, and she's telling me I need to have a six figure business, so I better try and do that. And nobody's really talking about the fact that a six figure business might not be making six figures in profit. In fact, it, probably you have to spend a lot of money um, to get that amount of money in, you know. Facebook ads are expensive, for example. Um, you might need extra VAs or assistants or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, I would much rather work 20 hours a week and earn 50000 than work 70 hours a week to say I've got a six-figure business. Yeah. Yes, I would too. <laughs> yeah. Particularly if you've done the work around disengaging from that, you know, appearances, you know, driving a certain car, living in a certain size house, all of those things where you don't need to, you know, a lot of, what, what is it? It's expensive to be rich. <laughs> yes. You know? So, and I think there's a thing called the Diderot effect. So, you know, you buy a Mercedes and suddenly you've got to buy a fancy, a bigger house with a garage so you can put the Mercedes in it. And then you can't just wear pyjamas to school run in your Mercedes. You've got to have fancy clothes and we've got to then have nice jewellery and you've got to get your hair done and wear the right shoes to go with the dress. And mm. it just adds on and on and on. Whereas, um, yeah, I don't think that that's necessarily the yeah the success or the fulfilling life mm, you know yeah. it might be I'm not I'm not poo-pooing it completely but you know if you just want to not do that that's also totally fine yes and I think it's important to um, understand that it's okay to be ambitious and to want things and more it's yes. just yeah <laughs> there's more I think there's yeah there's a balance I suppose for most people exactly um, and it's like well what are you wanting more for what is the ambition based on is it to impress mm -hmm. people is it for external validation is it you know is it looking for some sort of I don't know uh signaling that you've made it or is mm -hmm. it to you know impress but or is it because you want to make an impact <laughs> yes and so how can we bring all of these values into our business and do things a little bit more slowly and more consciously and with greater presence and still make profit? So I thought a lot about this question because, I mean, business is hard and when you approach it from that more ethical, it's not always hard, but it's not as easy as what the money gurus would probably promote it as being. And um, it takes a lot longer I found it takes a lot longer to um, to get to those points that you know that people uh, talk about, um, but it also requires you to value your work and value what you what you do and the way you show up, so that you charge an amount that's sustainable. Mm. You know, um, and 
uh, yeah, so it's a lot of inner work to say like, you know, I, you know, I deserve this amount of money and these are the ways that I can help. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And it's different for, I think, every business, but you can exactly. get caught up when, yeah, when you're setting your prices and thinking about the value you bring, you can get caught up with looking at others, um, and thinking about, oh, but I've got these goals, these money goals, and I want to earn this and this, and therefore I need to price like this, when that might not actually be in alignment with you and yeah. what you do in your business and you also with your audience. Yeah. So it is very tricky. <laughs> it is tricky. And you can apply this sort of seasonal approach to business as well. Like um, in having a bit more of a forward plan and thinking about it, all right, well, you know, recognizing you're going to get like that inner critic voice showing up and, you know, going like, oh man, why are you, you know, things aren't working the way you want. And okay, you've achieved that goal, but we don't really celebrate that we achieved a certain goal. We just go, well, well now you have to do this. And, you know, we've got that inner voice as well. And so I think a, a, a sense of like celebrating and slowing down the process and setting yourself realistic timelines for what's achievable. Um, rather than trying to be an overnight success, mm. um, you know, uh, being a bit more realistic um, always goes a long way. I think. <laughs> yes, it does. So how do you celebrate goals when you achieve them? What do you do? I, I, I feel like I, I do a process like once a month where I reflect on what I did achieve and I think that that's really beautiful because Often when we sit down to do our planning for the month ahead or whatever it is, we just look forward and we go, okay, well, I've, this is what I've got to do. But I look back and I go, wow, I, I did amazingly. Like look at all the things that I did in the time that I had over the last month. And I just take some time to actually like feel that. And when someone gives me a compliment or says, hey, that work, that um, our session was really great or whatever, I really like, you know, I take the compliment and I let myself feel it. Mm. Um, but I also, I also have structured my life and my business so that um, I don't like. I have my work hours, and I have my like. I have my 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 life is scaffolded with it's it's a restful way of life. So I make sure that rest is kind of built in. And so doing my work in the world, I, I don't get that much, many hours. I've only got two days a week where I work, um, and half of that is taken up with working in my husband's business as well so I really have quite limited hours and so for me it's almost self-care to be able to do my work and to chat with my my late my mums um so that's kind of that's a beautiful thing to do but um I just make sure that I'm not only thinking about work all the time and that yeah I've got that way of life sort of set up so that we can take some time out and you know have fun with the kids and all of that sort of stuff as well. Mm. So the structure of your life and your business is a celebration in itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's sort of like that analogy of using the good plates. Mm. You know, I don't want to wait until I'm retired to. Yes. To, you know, burn the nice candles. <laughs> to live. <laughs> yeah. To do the things. Yes. Yeah. So do you ever hustle in your work? doesn't sound like it. <laughs> I, I don't hustle. I'm not going to say that there aren't periods of time where I'm busy, 
Mm. you know like those few weeks before school term ends definitely gets a bit busier because you've got to get you know like I want to take time off the kids take them to see the grandparents and all of that stuff so I get a few things pre-scheduled and that that gets busy Mm. or um you know there'll be days when I've got back-to-back clients or things like that um but also I know that it's a season I know that it's not forever and I know that I haven't committed it's taken years right but I know that it's not just going to be the same the next day and the next week and the next month and I have to you know wait till Christmas to have a break I know that there's a you know I know that that's coming in probably that afternoon mm. yes yeah it's a great way to look at it in seasons mm. yeah something yeah. for us all to think about I think <laughs> so what kind of things yeah. do what kind of I guess challenges do you face in business these days um the challenge that I find in business is um Oh, personally, like I get so overly enthusiastic about slow living and I think, well, <laughs> like, I, you know, how am I going to, and, and I, like, I'm so, I wouldn't say I'm so far along in the journey, but, you know, I, I forget that if someone hasn't been doing this work, that there's really basic, simple things are what really helps. And I try to, give so much so many tips and try to be like okay do this and do and that's what I said before like that's why I developed the slow the seasons of slow to kind of hold myself back because I'm just like you're gonna love it so much here have everything you know (laughs) and so I try to remember like that's not actually helpful and I think that that can go without if you're a course creator of any kind or a coach of any kind that can go to whatever methodology you're sharing um that Someone who's just starting in your world just needs the basics and less is more. You mm. know, how many, everybody's first course has about 17 modules and 38 worksheets and, you know, all of that and a Facebook group and this and that and that. And it's just these days after the pandemic, nobody can cope with that. That's true. Yes. Yeah. I think in many ways we've <clears throat> at least danced with the idea of less thanks to the pandemic, even if we haven't embraced it or or if we're not actively living it. We've, yeah, had a little taste of what it is like to live slower and to have less and to just kind of make your life a little bit smaller for good reasons, I think. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I've been hearing a lot lately is, you know, people are getting back to normal and feeling like, they're not coping it's, it seems so much busier than it was when they were doing this amount before you know back to school sports back to family like functions and events and working back in the office and all of that stuff and I think that we probably weren't coping with it before it's just that we were just so you know on that mode and it's actually a really good chance to say, okay, well, actually I need to scale something back because you've seen kind of, and I wouldn't say that the pandemic was slow in the sense of, um, you know, real slow because we were all slowing down, but our nervous systems were heightened and that mm. is the difference. Mm. So we all still need some nervous system regulation. We all still need to like finish our stress cycles and calm down. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. That sounds and feels right. <laughs> so how do you feel about the balance of working on and in your business if you only have two days a week to work? How do you manage it? It's it's tricky. I'm really grateful 
um, to my clients who are quite flexible, like we, we find times that work. And, and the thing is, like most of my clients are in that similar situation. I call us the flexible parents because often we are, like most of my clients are mums who either work part-time or work, um, you know, have their own business. So we find times that work. And so I might do a coaching session at 8 o'clock at night for one client um, and I just have mini little groups as well. So um, I don't actually have, you know, that many. I'm really lucky that I have the right amount of clients um, and then the rest of the time. I mean, I love to create. So often I'll be like, I don't watch TV. I'll be like writing a blog post or scripting up a podcast and that's my like downtime mm-hmm. because I've just got so much to say and so much to share and so many you know ways I want to help so that's kind of how I balance it but I also I have weeks where I don't do anything um, you know if I don't have a client session booked in I don't feel bad about it I'm like woohoo extra time <laughs> wow I wish I could feel like that I'm always like oh something's wrong I'm doing something wrong and oh yes it's just because I'm stuck in many ways, in many areas of my life, in that idea of I've got to create and I've got to be productive. I've got to be doing this. It's not okay to sit still. When I, another part of me knows it is okay to do nothing. Like, as you said, there are seasons and you yeah. go with the flow and you move with it, with your energy and where you need it and where you're not. And it's okay to pull back sometimes. Yeah. I mean, my husband and I have a trades-based business. And so over the last nearly 11 years, we've seen, you know, the wave of like construction. And when we first started it, he was always really stressed if we had a slower month. And I was always, you know, encouraging him, this is the time to go out and build your relationships, go out there and talk to people and the work will come. And it does. That is the key to business. Um, and to go, okay, well, it's a bit slower now. So this is my opportunity to refine my processes and to, um, you know, think about, well, what do I want to create and, you know, integrate what you've learnt and, and make changes and things. So um, I think sometimes having business of being a bit slower is, is a good thing. Mm, it is. It's definitely yeah. a good thing. And yeah. it gives you the chance, if you want, to press pause and just reset a little bit and think about, where you want to go, where you've been, what you've learned, all those kind of things. It's not yeah. a bad place to be at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. One thing I want to ask you before we finish is something that I think many women and people in business would find useful, and that is the, what are the key signs of burnout? How can we know when we're just on the edge? Because <laughs> we we're not always aware, and that's the point, isn't it? You're not yeah. present. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, often when you're burnt, the more burnout you are, the less aware of it you are because you're just so, you know. Um, I think the key sign to burnout is not feeling motivated, feeling really disconnected from your work, feeling like unappreciated, feeling like resentful towards your clients or towards your family for not support, you know, husband, you're fighting with partner, um, struggling to wake up in the morning struggling to go to sleep at night um there's just so much about burnout and I think burnout is really a sign that you are if you're aware that you're burnt out it, it or you know if you think about it you go yeah I'm doing those things maybe I'm burnt out it's just a sign to think about okay well maybe I'm not doing things more enough of the things that I want to be doing um and maybe I'm not giving myself permission to rest I mean, it always comes back to that, right? Um, particularly for women, we are seasonal in nature 
And if you're pushing through and you've got terrible period cramps, for example, but you're like, right, I've got to go to work. Or, you know, I mean, it used to be that we all went to work when we were sick and we took days off when we weren't sick so we could go and do something else, (laughs) you know. So, yeah, just, yeah, I think that that's the key signs to burnout is just Mm. that feeling of unfulfillment and frustration and resentment. Yeah, I can relate. (laughs) And and a sense of heightened, like, reactivity as well because that's that heightened you know fight or flight response in our bodies when our nervous systems are really dysregulated mm. i hope that anyone listening to this <laughs> can potentially go oh tick, 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 that's happening to me and just yeah understand maybe a little bit more about themselves and then reflect on the rest of the conversation that you and i have had Rochelle, and that can be helpful for them because Yes, so many people I think are stuck and just in the mouse wheel running around, around, around and just needs a bit of a shake-up <laughs> to yeah. help them and so that they can just feel good again. Yeah, absolutely. And it can feel like you're never going to get off that mouse wheel. Mm. And, it, and I think sometimes we're so committed to our busyness that it's really hard to see what could possibly not be on our plate because we've been on that wheel for so long, we're doing, doing, doing. It's always hard to admit that maybe the things we've been doing, we don't need to be doing. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Wow, so cool. Thank you for sharing all of that with us and um, all the goodness that you have to offer the world. <laughs> it's incredible and really game-changing, I think, for so many of us. Where can we go to hear more from you and get your downloads and all that kind of stuff, connect with you? Um, yeah, so my website is www.howtoliveslow.com um, or you can connect with me on Instagram. It's also the same, How to Live Slow. Um, those are the two my two favourite places to hang out. Um, I've got a podcast as well, which you can see all the shows over there on my website. Awesome. What's the name of your podcast again? Is it How to Live Slow? How to Live Slow, yeah. yeah. I've just called everything How to Live Slow to make it easy. Yeah, it's seamless. It works. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Rochelle. Oh, thank you so much. Legend. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Head to your podcast player, leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave, business-minded women like you. You can find me online at shinecopy.com.au.